Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise, and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with, do you understand who's in command here? Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf-herder! Put a sock in it! And stop shouting! I'm not deaf! I got a bad feeling about this. It is somewhat stimulating. Welcome to SFP Now. Here is your host, Ian M. Collins. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. And we've got a great interview lined up later on for you um, with Roger Nagel, who's kind of like one of the main stunt drivers, if not the main stunt driver from the uh, new Fast and the Furious movie. And uh, but but before we get to that, um, here's uh, my good friend Ty to go over some news articles with me. And now, last week in news. Hey Ian, how are you? Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's, you know you you're welcome. It's great having you back again. Um, should we start off with some Doctor Who stuff? Ah. Uh, Yes, every Whovian is waiting on pins and needles for the Doctor Who stuff. Oh man, this this, this was absolutely hilarious. Uh, what happened over weekend is um, is over Friday, Friday last week actually. Uh, Starburst magazine, who were quite reputable most of the time, they they broke a news story. Um, you know, say, saying that it was rumored, but you know, and and the keyword here is rumored. But there was right. going to be an announcement from the BBC over the weekend with regard to right. the identity of the new Doctor Who. Ooh. Um, but the BBC kind of reputed it later on. So, um, you know, so basically uh, Starburst um, have sort of like, um, you know, they, they, they kind of uh, got into a little bit of doo-doo here. <laughs> you know? I like, that's the uh, nice way of uh, saying it, is it? It, it is. I mean, I, I, ran with <laughs> a sto- I ran with the story like everyone else, but I ran it as a rumour. Um, right, right, I just yeah. put a big question mark in the article because I, I, I wasn't sure. I kind of figured, you know, if it was coming from Starburst, there's probably, you know, there's probably an ounce, an ounce of something there because they, yeah, are, yeah, they yeah. are one of the most, most, most respected magazines. They've been going since 77. So I thought, yeah, I'd, I I, I thought I'd run it. But they they got into a little bit of trouble, um, you know, so I'm like, well, not not a little bit of trouble as such, but they kind of put their foot in it there. So so here's one for Starburst. You are an enemy of the Daleks. You must be destroyed. Oh, dear. You would make a good Dalek. Why, thank you, Clyde. How are you doing there? Exterminate! Exterminate! Schizophrenic, darn it. Bloody hell. (laughs) Better be careful. I'm all the way across the pond. I can't help you with my handy dandy sonic screwdriver, sir. It's okay, my cat's kind of giving it the evil eye here. (laughs) (laughs) 
He's going to bat Your it cat is probably something like the cat from that Star Trek episode, I bet, eh? Um, well, he's all black, which um, is probably pretty close, but, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a big bugger. He's like a baby puma. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was, the, that was the Doctor Who news, and, and, and obviously, uh, you know, the press have been badgering Jen and Louise Coleman to uh, find yeah. out the identity of the do- Doctor, and they were badgering her all last week about it. And she says she doesn't know. She categorically swears she does not know who who the next doctor is. But of all... course she doesn't. Her, her, her confidentiality agreement precludes her from remembering. Yep, the gagging order. But there's, a, there's all sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of, sort of like, um, you know, names being floated, floated around. Um, Damien Maloney, who we mentioned last week. Ben Daniels, apparently, is the bookie's favourite to take on the role. And, you know, and Ben Daniels would probably be pretty funny, actually, because he's, like, 48. So he'd be, oldest, he'd be the oldest doctor we, we, we've had in a while, if, if, it, uh-huh. if it does end up being him. Um, maybe, a little, uh, maybe a little age and wisdom is a good thing. Although we have enjoyed the youthful uh, exuberance of the last two doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Miranda Hart is uh, one of the favorites to be a female version of the doctor. I, wa- I, I want to see if I'd love to see a female doctor person. Mm-hmm. I think it'd, it'd be great. Either that or homosexual. Uh, one of the two. That's my vote. You don't want to see Miranda Hart as a doctor, I assure you. I don't. <laughs> you don't, honestly. You, don't, you do not. She gets some mind. Bloody nerves, that woman. Um, <laughs> You know, if she if she was picked as the next Doctor Who, I'd stop watching it. I'd, I'd boycott the series. <laughs> <laughs> or girl kind it, as it were. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, a female doctor just does not exist in my universe. I, I I'm, I'm, sorry, no. okay, I'm in disagreement with you there. With you there, I don't mind. I don't mind us having a gay doctor or a cross-dressing doctor or something, something like that. But, 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 but a female doctor, no. Maybe the cross-dressing doctor would be the best of both worlds because we kind of get both in one, don't we? Um, yeah, yeah. I suppose, suppose you do. <laughs> You know, and uh, maybe you know the TARDIS could sort of like make make the odd stops to uh, to 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 a Tesco's or a supermarket somewhere just to buy some chicken fingers or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and, until the hormone tablets, you know, kick in or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? I uh, I'll bet you the doctor is probably you know even though he regenerates, I mean he 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 probably has a sex assigned to him. I mean there is. He is still a genetic biological entity. Let's let's be a little geeky about this, right? And so he's probably a male. You know, that's just probably the way it is. But uh, right. but no one says he can't be gay. <laughs> I think I think you know I'm pretty sure he is male. I mean, so like, uh, yeah. I've not actually uh, pulled his pants and undies down and physically inspected him, but you know. I think I think he's definitely male, and it was kind of like yeah. established that the Time Lords do have sexes. Uh, because yeah, my money's on a male. My, you know, if I were a betting man, I'd say male. Mm-hmm. What about what about what about this for a disgusting for an American actor as a doctor? Wow, an American actor as the doctor. I, you know, I mean, as an American, I'm all for it, but I just don't know that. Uh, I don't think you want to break the tradition, to be quite honest with you. You know, I think we're, I think we need to keep them. I think we need to, to keep the doctor, uh, you know, British. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm all for uh, having, a, you know, maybe we could get him a nice uh, American companion after this beautiful companion has uh, served her 
first stint or, um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Captain Jack, he was a, he was an American. That was fun. You know, I, I think you can have Americans in there, but I personally, I think the doctor should stay British. Mm, yeah. That's just my... I, I'm kind of with you. It's just I've sort of been trying to think of a, of, 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 a, of a good American actor that would be a good fit. And I was thinking if... if good American. Oh my God! Wow. And I was, oh. I was I was thinking if you had if there was a good American actor that could be a good fit for Doctor Who, I'd, I'd be thinking someone like Christian Slater. Christian Slater? Yeah, who could be sort of like kind of edgy but also a little bit quirky. Yeah, maybe. I, you know, I really have that. That might be a fun article. You'd have to put a lot of thinking into that one because the Doctor, he's got to be, you know, he's got to be a bit quirky. And Christian Slater. Oh. I can think of quirkier, you know, I, I, not Johnny on the spot. I don't think I'm going to be able to pull a good one out of my, uh, well, you know, out of my TARDIS here, but Johnny uh, Depp? I, I don't know. <laughs> Johnny Depp would be a good one. Johnny Depp would be a good anything, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, that guy impresses me to no avail. I can't wait for the, the Lone Ranger. I've loved him in almost everything he's done. He is the most versatile actor. I thought he was great in Dark Shadows. I just, uh, you know, I, yes, yes, he has my vote. You know what? He could play a good British guy, <laughs> probably. Mm, yeah, he could play it Brit as a Brit and but just be an American. Now that I'd be all for. Doesn't he live in France? Uh, I think he does. I think he did. I'm not sure if he does anymore because I think him and his uh, girlfriend or wife have split up now. I'm not sure. Oh, I guess. I think Man, he... is it him? I mean... Yeah, I think you've seen that Vanessa Paradis. Oh, very nice. Well, he could. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Marvel, you know, Marvel comic book movie news. You've, you you yeah. posted an article uh, earlier today on Sci-Fi Pulse about um, about the Captain America film, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, uh, the, you know, the most fun thing for me about Captain America right now. It, well, one, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Two, I love the last movie. I'm really looking forward to this next movie, and I personally love spoilers. I love when they release photos. I will take it all in. It doesn't ruin the movie for me. And so last week and, and over the weekend, what I found uh, being released you know, through the Internet was a, a great bunch of uh, Captain America-related uh, um, stills, um, specifically centering around the Winter Soldier. And so what was great is now we've finally seen him. I mean, there's no more questioning. There he is, silver arm and bionic arm and everything in action, fighting Captain America in the streets of Washington, D.C. Absolutely awesome. I love that he looks great. And, you know, it just so happens that it coincides with, uh, from the comic book perspective, in the comic universe, the Winter Soldier uh, ongoing series, which has reached, you know, issue number 19, has been canceled. Damn. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, like this, it started off absolutely tremendous. The, you know, the, the, the creative team on it was, was outstanding. I loved the art. I thought the writing was tremendous. And then three or four issues ago, I forget which, uh, you know, they changed the creative team. And, you know, honestly, uh, you know, I think it suffered a little bit, you know. Um, but I really love the Winter Soldier. So I stuck with the series, you know, because sometimes you got to give a new doctor or a new, you know, whenever you get a new twist in a series or an ongoing, you know, any kind of title, uh, you know, I think it has to find its legs. So I was waiting for this title to, you know, to, 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 to pick up. But alas, you know, they canceled it with issue 19. That issue was 
I live here in the States currently on the um, newsstands, mm-hmm. and it struck me that what we... Were you going to say something? No, I was just, I was just song like, um, you know, going, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, it's on the newsstands now, and then we see these pictures, so, you know, as I'm going through it, what, I'm rec- what I realized internally was, well, on the one hand, oh, I'm losing, you know, uh, one of my favorite characters is kind of, you know, in a way, going away. Uh, his series is over. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to have him. He's just too important a character not to be in Captain America, is my thought. But still, he doesn't have his own series, and that was kind of bumming me out. And then, just as I had picked up the final issue, I see these these uh, images released of, you know, Winter Soldier. So, you know, I, I, it made me think, oh, well, you know, it's kind of a... a, a, a a bittersweet ending in a way. And on, on the one hand, yes, the ongoing series is over and it's been canceled. On the other hand, um, hey, look at these new images of uh, the Winter Soldier. And, you know, this this movie is almost right around the corner, you know? I mean, it's not that far off. And uh, so it, it made me, on the one hand, not feel so bad. Uh, and and then as I thought about it, and I was as I was writing the article, it struck me that, well, maybe, maybe this is part of their plan. Maybe it's okay. We're gonna, you know, give the Winter Soldier a break. He's gonna, we're, we're gonna let him come out on uh, uh, basically the movie, and then maybe there's gonna be a renewed push. Maybe there'll be another series, or or maybe there'll be enough uh, uh, appreciation and uh, 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 interest in the in the character because the movie does really well. And let's be honest, Winter Soldier is a tremendous character. He's, you know, the original Bucky, Bucky Barnes, Cap's first partner, and he's just amazing, you know. And he was Captain America as well. He took over for Cap while uh, Cap was uh, dead, right? Yeah, he did. Um, I, I remember yeah. that. Um, I remember that. I didn't read the comics because I don't really read Captain America, but I did enjoy the movie. I even enjoyed, yeah. the, I even enjoyed the really, really badly made 1991 movie. The, which one? The badly made 1990 movie. The one, the one with um, oh, I can't remember remember his name. The actor, um, I think he was the son of the uh, the guy that wrote The Catcher in the Rye, Salinger, uh, Matt Salinger. I'm not familiar with it, or at least I'm not remembering it. <laughs> but that was a, he was a good Captain America. <laughs> Don't you think he, he was a pretty good Captain America? And it was a really interesting costume. It was a nice new costume and. And he was always he was always asking himself, you know, what would what would what would Steve do? What would you know? What would the real Captain America do? So, it was a real it was a real growth for that for for that character, you know, especially coming from being the Winter Soldier. And what's the Winter Soldier? The Winter Soldier was this uh, cryogenically frozen assassin who would be brought out of sleep for uh, for missions, and then upon completion of the mission, he'd be put back in cryo. And so they called him the Winter Soldier because you only saw this guy once in a blue moon, and, and it was just an amazing rumor and 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 uh, uh, a mythos that was created around uh, to hear Nick Fury talk about it, about this is the enigma of the Winter Soldier. So oh my gosh, you know he's just amazing. I love that guy. I'm looking forward to the movie. I'm loving the images. I think I think the three images that were that are in the article are, are, are pretty good, um, you know, Winter Soldier photos. So I, I can't wait for this movie, and I'd see it tomorrow you know, in an unedited format if I could. Mm-hmm. Well, talking of movies, we've got uh, Superman, Man of Steel. We've got Man of Steel at the end of the week. Don't we, though? i got to tell you, I am... I'm, I, I, I'm highly uh, looking forward to this movie. I think everyone I talk to, every geek I've spoken to, and 
and uh, you know, superhero aficionado is looking forward to it. Every trailer I've seen looks great. He looks like a Superman, and hopefully Schneider, you know, has done a good job. There's, I mean, there's high expectations for this movie, I would tell you, uh, and I'm looking forward to it, and I'm going to be there Thursday night, midnight, Eastern Standard Time, and I can't wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be able to see it on the day of release, unfortunately, because I've got, got, got all the stuff on. Um, but I'm going to try and get to see it uh, at, at the beginning of next week or maybe over weekend if I can. So, you know, maybe maybe we can circle back around in a couple of weeks' time and we'll do a review on the uh, new Superman movie. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, that would be fun. Let's, let's do that. Um, well, talking of uh, moving on to all things, uh, you posted a really, really cool interview with, uh, with, with is it Kathy Coleman from Nanda the Moth? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was something I, I really enjoyed that that uh, that piece. And you know, it was more it was more article than interview, really, because um, you know, first of all, I got to say, as a uh, you know, I grew up. I was you know Saturday mornings when I was. I'm jumping around because I'm so excited right now. I got to tell you, when I was a kid. Uh, there were 12 channels on TV. There was no Dish. There was no TiVo. There was no 799 channels like yet we have now. There were 12 channels. Mm-hmm. And the only time a kid could watch a cartoon was either maybe in the morning, maybe in the afternoon after school, but definitely on Saturday morning. And mm-hmm. Saturday morning, the culture when I was a kid and growing up, Saturday morning cartoons, that's, that's what you did. You got a big bowl of sugary cereal and you sat in front of the TV and you, and you watched cartoons all day long until like 12 o'clock. Yeah, that's a, now, pretty much the same here in the UK, but we didn't have yeah. 12 channels. We only had, a, we only had three channels when I was a kid. That was it. <laughs> Uh, oh no! Come on, you gotta get you, you gotta look. You had to look towards the colonials on this one. Come on, we we had three channels, <laughs> and our Saturday morning culture was a little bit di- different. We had two. We had two Saturday morning programs on. One was on BBC ah. One, called Swap Shop, which was for all the uh, snobby uh, establishment kids sort of thing. And on ITV, we had, you know, we had a show called Tiz Was, yeah. Which was kind of like the one that all the rebels like me watched, and both both these shows had cartoons interspersed in into them, along with um, along with you know interviews with the latest pop 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 artists and um, and the you know the latest Doctor Who they'd have Doctor Who on there as well and stuff like that. But it was kind of like uh-huh. a Saturday morning magazine program we had, um, and cartoons were interspersed in there as part of it. Gotcha. Well. You know, Saturdays here um, also had some live-action stuff, and a lot of the live-action stuff, well, a good portion of it came from Sid, Marty, and Croft, right? Everybody knows Sid, Marty, and Croft. One of, in my opinion, one of their best shows, or at the very least, the one I loved the most, it was a Saturday morning, you know, number one rated show for the at least two of the three years that it ran, Land of the Lost. Mm-hmm. What a great show. Loved the show. It had everything going for it. The writers, a lot of those writers. Walter Koenig wrote some of it. D.C. Fontana from Star Trek, you know, classic Trek fame, wrote some of it. I mean, really smart, really fun stuff. Claymation um, uh, uh, and, and you know, dinosaurs, alternate universes, three stacks. Who doesn't love the three stacks? And then the Marshall, you know, family who's, who's you know, uh, uh, in the lost, in the land of the lost. And, and I just love everything about that show. And Kathy Coleman played Holly Marshall, the, 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 the youngest daughter of Rick Marshall. And 
before I had a crush on Princess Leia and before I had a crush on Colonel Wilma Deering, I had a crush on her, but I was like five or six. <laughs> but regardless, well, this will, the this, show. This will tell you a lot about me. Um, I never had a crush on Colonel Wilma Deering. Never, never, did. no, no. I, I had a crush on Princess Ardila. Uh, okay, no, no, yeah, absolutely. That tells you a lot about me right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Princess Ardala also, uh, you know, got a rise in the force out of me as well, if I may. <laughs> she, was, I mean, she was a pretty hot number, yes, absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, let me add her to that list, but she would be on my bad girl list, right? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I have never met. Kathy Coleman. I, actually, I had never met anybody from the show. And just being such a fan, I loved it. I mean, I bought the box set. I've watched it with my kids. Love it. I've always wanted to meet her. So my, my dear friend and uh, president of the Battlestar Galactica fan club and promoter, one of the promoters of Galacticon, which was the 35th anniversary show of the original series and, and the 10th anniversary of the Reimagined series. And it's every five years they do a Galacticon. This was Galacticon 3. Sean O'Donnell, a uh, great, great guy, uh, you know, invites me to, to do some artwork and to come be a and to come be a guest on the show and and lets me know that Kathy Coleman is gonna, you know, be a guest, you know, because she's a friend of his. Mm-hmm. And promises me, promises me that you know I'll meet her and this and that and the other and, and for, for months I've been anticipating meeting her. So I get to the convention, I finally meet Kathy Coleman, you know, I gotta say she was the nicest, sweetest, funny, I, I, you know, great lady, just a great lady, classy act, um, and it was a pleasure to, to hang out with her, and a pleasure to meet her. I, I sat right next to her the entire weekend, hung out with her Friday night when I got there. Um, Sean uh, uh, was hanging out with her, and he said, God, come on, you got to meet her, and invited me, and, and, you know, one of my first memories, she, I, I alluded to it, um, you know, she... she <laughs> Smokes like a chimney, and she and she's singing, she's singing some Australian beer drinking song. I mean, you have to be there, okay? But the point is, so much fun. The lady was so much fun. And that night, and I talk about this in the article. Uh, Isai Morales, who we gave Sci Fi Pulse gave an award to, he was uh, there. And the guy, he's a performer, uh, obviously, loves to sing as well. Knows the entire Beatles catalog. Richard Hatch, Captain Apollo, loves the Beatles too. Apparently, Kathy knows a few Beatles songs herself. Throw in another 20 or 30 fans and attendees and, you know, convention folk. And what do you got but just a huge group of folks. And on my Facebook page, uh, there's a, I even have a bit of video there um, uh, of, <laughs> of, of them just saying, I mean, for hours, these people just sat there and sang Beatles songs. Now, you know, if you go to a con, you go to, you want to meet celebrities, you want to have a good time, but, but some parts of a convention are better than the convention floor could ever be. And so when, when you get the opportunity to hang out and mingle with just folks from the con and some celebrities in a setting like that, man, it just makes the show special. And so, you know, uh, an hour or two of, of Kathy and Isai and, you know, Richard and a whole bunch of people singing. So you, you're drinking and you stand there and you're watching for a little while. Then, you know, how many Beatles songs can you listen to before something else grabs your attention? You go off, you do it. 20 minutes later, you come back, they're still singing. So it was a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I was able to, uh, 
you know, I had dinner with her and, and, and Sean and a few of the folks the next night. And, you know, she was, it was, it was just a pleasure. She's down to earth, you know, and, and she's funny and she's nice. So it's a real pleasure when, uh, you know, a celebrity who you, you know, either admire or, or you just have some kind of affinity for when they turn out to actually be nice people. And uh, I just can't say enough about Kathy Coleman. And, uh, you know, if someone hasn't read the article, I, you know, I, I hope they'll read it and enjoy it and, and be able to get a good sense of, uh, of Kathy Coleman. Coleman because, you know, she just, just makes me want to go watch the entire series all over again. And she's just such, a, such an amazing lady. And uh, so, so it was, the article was really more about, you know, the time that I got to spend with her and her impressions upon me. But I did video the closing ceremonies. And there in the closing ceremonies, you know, she spoke a bit. So, you know, I, I, I suppose, you know, that, that would be kind of like, in any of you, I, you know, I did transcribe that. But just what a blast. What a good time. If, you, if, you, if anybody sees Kathy Coleman in a show, you got to go. Go say hi because, you know, you'll, you'll just have a great experience with her. You know, can't say enough, I can't say enough, enough about, the, about her meeting her and hanging out with her. I just love it. And she kissed me on the cheek, but she kissed me. So, yeah, I noticed that. You know, you, you know, so like... Uh... You, you, you jiggle all you going going for all these uh, these sci-fi hotties, you know. It's just you know. <laughs> hey, what happens at the con stays at the con, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> um, and you know, you know, quick before before we move on, I just want you to give me a little bit of a hand with a with a plug. I'm actually, um, you know, just just so I just so I can quickly talk about this with somebody because I'm quite excited about it. Um, also, yeah. I'm a little nervous, but I'm actually going to be uh, selling um, some science fiction and fantasy gear um, on on the Old Tringham Market here in in South Manchester uh, Ooh, tomorrow, and I'll be there on the market all day tomorrow from half nine in the morning through to about round about half four or until we run out of stock. Um, if we do indeed run whichever out of stock, comes first. whichever comes first. <laughs> Um, hopefully we do run out of stock. Um, we've got quite a few, got quite a few cool things that I'm, that I'm selling. We've got the, uh, we've got some dots who, uh, four inch miniature plush toys. You are an enemy of the Daleks. You must be destroyed. That's my own personal one, by the way. Ian, watch out. Be careful. And we've got, uh, <laughs> we've got some Yoda plush toys. We've got some like, um, Darth Vader plush toys, Chewbacca plush toys. A TARDIS plush toy, which actually lights up, which is pretty cool. Do you have a, a Captain Jack plush toy? Uh, that would be uh, <laughs> that probably be a big seller. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be a big seller on Canal Street in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you know where Canal, you know, you know what Canal Street. Listen, is. I haven't even been there, and this is the first I've heard of it. But I get it, and I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I know what you're talking. I'm familiar, well, not familiar with the place, but I uh, I know the, the similar in New York kind of place. I know what you're talking about. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's a um, it's pretty cool, pretty cool chilled out place. Is Canal Street in Manchester? You know, um, <laughs> you just got to go there knowing full well that you know that you got to go there knowing who you are. Uh, but if you take Captain Jack Rush with you, you know you you will have a lot of friends for life, I guess. I think we're probably going to need to uh, get a license and invest in that one, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be on altering the market tomorrow, so if any of you listeners that are in the Manchester area, so I can want to come down and say hello, 
I'm going to have a store on Altrincham Market and we're selling, you know, plush toys. We've got some, yeah. we've got some Funko Pop uh, bobblehead uh, thingies, which are a lot of fun. And, um, you know, come over and say hi. Better still, maybe come over and buy something. That'd be cool. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what they need to do. I love it. Best of luck with that. I'm sure it's gonna. I'm, I'm sure you'll be out of there by half past one. Oh, you know, actually, that'd be good because then I can go back to bed. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, you know, thanks for being 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 a part part of the show this week, Ty. And um, we, oh, thank you for having me. Oh, mm-hmm. Always a pleasure. I love doing it. I can't wait for the next one. We'll roll back at you in a in a couple of weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to try and bring uh, Patrick Hayes on to do this. Do do some news yes, with me. Yes, our uh, roving comic reporter extraordinaire. Yep, and um, and now it's time for the interview with a uh, with professional stunt performer Yay. who did the uh, who did the stuff in Fast and the Furious, Roger Nagel. Okay, I'd like to introduce you all to um, Robert Nagel, who's, um, you know, you've probably seen his stunts in films such as Jack Reacher, uh, Batman, The Dark Knight Rises, and and stuff like that. Um, And he's basically one, you know, he's basically one of Hollywood's most in-demand stunt drivers. So how are you doing, Robert? I'm doing very well, Liam, thank you. Well, it's good to have you on the show. I mean, I think the first question I have is, um, how how do you actually get into stunt driving? And what about it excites you apart from the obvious adrenaline rush? Um, you know, it, it's it's odd. You, know, you can ask that question to ten different guys, and you'll get uh, kind of ten different a- avenues or, or answers to, to get to that uh, path. Uh, for myself, I used to race uh, professionally, and uh, I had uh, become friends with a couple guys that were already pretty well established in the business. Um, one of them uh, is very well known, uh, Steve Kelso. Uh, he and I raced together and became very close friends. And as some jobs came along where he needed uh, guys with racing background uh, to perform on camera in race cars, uh, I became one of the guys he would call. And just over the years, developed you know, more and more relationships with, with more people in the industry. And I sort of discovered I had a, there was a creative side that it uh, sort of fulfilled for myself, and uh, it's become uh, you know, quite enjoyable. It's pretty, it's pretty cool because I've been looking at your, um, I was looking at your credits on IMDb earlier, and so like I was actually quite, quite surprised how much you've actually done. It's so like, uh, it's almost like, um, how, how long you be, would you say you've been doing the stunt driving now? About maybe ten years. Uh, it goes back further than that. You know, unfortunately, IMDb just shows you know, TV shows and, and feature films. What it doesn't show you is commercials and such. Uh, my first job that I did in front of camera was uh, a little Volkswagen commercial we did back then. It was 1997, so that's kind of my start. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do any of the, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't think we actually have them over here in the UK, but uh, I know that you, uh, I've actually seen them. Um, seen them on American TV shows. Do you do you, do you actually do any of the uh, song like live stunt performing? No, I don't. Most of the most of what I do is in front of camera. Uh, I've done some. I've done some little short pieces for live performance. It's been for new car reveals for you know for like you know, Dodge and, and Ford, where they bring out new models and they kind of they want to show it to a you know, specific audience. Uh, but that's been it for live shows. The majority of my work is in front of camera and scripted. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, work. Well, one one film that I uh, saw earlier this year, which um, you, you you actually did a lot of stunt driving for, was a uh, Jack Reacher, and um, you know it's this, this that that car chase kind of sticks out in my mind because you know uh, quite 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 because of the way it ended when when you know Tom Cruise gets out of the car and walks up to a bus stop and puts a baseball cap on and just sort of like blends in. But the the whole car chase up until then, it's I mean, it's kind of like uh, epic. Uh, can you talk us through how that came about that that sequence and you know what what it was like from your point of view doing that? Yeah, unfortunately, I only worked a couple of days on that one. I had to go on to another film. I've worked with Tom a few times, and he's he's really great to work with. Uh, I wish I had been more involved in that particular project, so I can't really speak to how that whole sequence went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much training does it actually take to be a professional stunt driver, and how much forward planning would you say goes into uh, many of the stunts that you've done? It's for myself, you know, the, the training I have, I, I gained uh, in the racing world. Uh, my and my education is in uh, mechanical engineering, specifically for race car design. So I kind of bring that to the table, which is a different attribute than most people. As far as the planning, you know, we sit down with the, with the stunt coordinator or the director, and we sort out what it is that they want to see. And just depending on the difficulty, we, we may only spend a few minutes planning and choreographing what we need to do, or it may take a few days or weeks to really get it sorted out what it is we need, just depending on the complexity of the stunt. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, as a professional driver, um, you're probably going to, you know, and and also as a mechanical engineer, you're very much into your cars and and um, stuff. So I'm just wondering, what 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 are your favourite rides in terms of cars or motorcycles, um, and and what sort of like features of those vehicles actually appeal to you uh, from 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 the point of view of a driver? I really like uh, you know BMW. I think makes a great car. I really love what they've accomplished in their engineering and how they package everything. It's a really great platform. And then, yeah, I'm also, uh, I'm a muscle car guy. So I go back to, you know, the old the 60s muscle cars. They don't handle so well, but they're fun to drive, lots of horsepower, make lots of noise. Mm-hmm. And complete bastards round corners. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, they don't go around corners so well. Yeah, and, you know, so you kind of seen that with the, um, was it um, was it a Ford Mustang that they used in Starsky and Hutch? That was, a, that was actually a Gran Torino, yeah. which was a really, you know, really big, lethargic beast. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of funny, you see that and you see it sort of go around the corner, you know, you could just watch it on film, it just didn't corner too good. No, no, it doesn't work so well for the corners. You point it in a straight line, it's okay. It kind of looked poo, though, when it, when it was trying to go around the corner. <laughs> in a strange sort of like seventies way, um, I'm t- talking about um, stunt work for a while. I mean, so like um, obviously you've been in film for quite a while, um, but um, growing up, um, you know, would would there be any sort of like uh, you know car stunts uh, that you particularly enjoyed watching in the movies, and you know, so like uh, and stunt professionals that like, you know um, that they may, may may have looked up to from from them. Yeah. It- it, it, as a kid, I think, you know, it goes back to probably some of the old standards. You have, you know, the, the car chase from Bullet. Um, then you've got, uh, you know, some of the smoking bandit stuff was, was very cool. And uh, I think there was another, uh, those, you know, those are kind of over the top and kind of fun. They, the original Gone in 60 Seconds, you know, where they just beat the crap out of the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you know, as a kid, is entertaining and kind of like, wow, that looks like fun. Yeah, I mean, what one that sticks out for me, and I was going to mention this uh, earlier, you know, in in terms of it, you know, whether it's something that you'd ever think of replicating or 
are reproducible. Um, it's from a Bond film. It's from the 1970s Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun. And um, it's it's kind of like a, they do a loop the loop over the bridge. Yes, I've seen that sequence, yeah. And, and apparently that was kind of like one of the first sequences that they ever did that involved um, having a computer plan out the plan out the physics of it. Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't aware of that, but that, that would make sense. Uh, but yeah, it all comes down to physics at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you yeah, know, we do try and plan around that. But a lot of it, you yeah, know, we kind of have a feel for what we need to do and, and get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, 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 I still watched that and I'm still fairly amazed that, you know, the fact that the car actually landed on all fours at the other end. No, you know, that's one of those things that you they, they set up, you know, weeks ahead of time to get the planning and get the ramps right and get, because the speed is going to be very, very crucial uh, when, you, when you hit that ramp and that's going to really determine how far it goes and how far the car rotates. So getting getting onto the ramp at the exact speed and at the exact position is very very crucial. It's a very very precise uh, piece of driving to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a few films due out actually. Uh, one being the uh, new Fast and the Furious movie, um, which you know from the trailer alone looks like it was you know as as a lot of awesome stunts and crashes in it. Um, is there a particular cast on, um, in that film that you're looking forward to you know hearing the audience reaction to? You know, and there's gonna, there, there's a lot to be there, there. Visually, I think there's going to be a lot for the audience to see. We we had to really raise the bar to to you know based on Fast Five and what we did, which you know we did some really great stuff in Fast Five. Uh, but I think you're going to see some really really spectacular sequences in Six. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still got fond memories of the uh, of of the car coming off the training Fast Five. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was a really, really, really well done stunt, and uh, and that whole chase uh, through the streets where they're dragging those vaults behind the cars. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, and uh, we smashed a lot of cars doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm so I've been been a bit of a fan of the Fast Fast and the Furious, Furious films. Um, no, I, yeah, I really love how fat, how Fast Five came together. You know, the, the editing and, and, the, and the stunt sequences, it, it really came together well. And, and as you were talking about the safe, you know, the, the way the, that all came together and, and, and the way Justin's vision of that was, it's, the safe almost became a character in the film. And I really like how that worked. Yeah, I mean, you know, so in watching it, you kind of, you kind of, as an observer, you're kind of wondering, you know, why, why, why the hell is this, you know, you know, how, how the hell are they driving around with these safes at the back of the car sort of thing? Um, you know, why why not so like lost control with the car already? <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of different tricks, but we made it work. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on the Fast films, you, you've got a pretty good cast of characters uh, playing the roles. Um, how much in regards to stunt work are, say, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel now to do before it gets to that point where you guys, you know, the professionals take over? Yeah, certainly they like to get in uh, behind the wheel and do some pieces. And obviously, if they are driving, you know, you really want to feature so you can see them. So they, they're they're doing some of the some of the pieces, but you know, some of it gets pretty um, you know dangerous where you don't want the cast in that position. But we do try and get them. Uh, you know, the stunt coordinators work hard to try and get Paul and Vin on camera driving the cars where we could get them to do some of the pieces and do it safely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, you know, this, it's, it seems to have been, um, especially over the uh, over the 80s and 90s into now, um, that a lot of actors want to try and, you know, try their hand at doing a bit of stunt work. I mean, I know for a fact that Burt Reynolds was, was one of those guys that, that did a bit, did a few of his own stunts back in the day. Yes, yeah, he, he did. I, he 
he, he actually came from the stunt world and, and crossed over into acting. Mm-hmm. Um, can you ever see yourself crossing over? And- yeah, I'm just not that guy. No. <laughs> you know, do you, you prefer the anonymity of uh, do, do, doing the stunt work? And I just really love what I do. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm not, uh, it's, it's funny, I'm not that comfortable speaking on camera, uh, but I have no problem turning a car over 100 miles an hour. <laughs> well, that, that scared me. I mean, I, I freaked out. I was actually uh, my, my, a friend of mine uh, got a Mazda RX-5, one of those Japanese like sports cars sort of thing, uh-huh. um, a few years back, and it took me out on it one Boxing Day, and um, you know I couldn't get over how low down I was for one in the car because of the aerodynamics and stuff like that. And he took it out on the motorway about, um, I think he was doing, I think he actually hit about 120 miles per hour. And I swear to God, my stomach was in my throat. <laughs> you know, um, I, don't, I don't know, I, I don't know whether I'd be able to control the car and drive at that speed, you know, with my stomach in my throat like that. I probably would have sort of like lost control and, and, and uh, totaled it. Now, it can be a bit unnerving, you know, and, and things start to happen pretty quickly at that speed. So I can certainly understand uh, how you might feel that way. You, you did a you did a bit you did quite a bit of stunt work in last year's Dark Knight Rises, um, and I'm just wondering, as as an engineer, um, did did you actually have any say on on the designs of those cars in in Dark Knight Rises? Because they kind of look you, you kind of look at the Batmobile type type car, and you, you you're kind of wondering, well, how the hell is that able to go so fast and do all that shit? Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't involved in that aspect of it. Uh, you know, George Cottle, who's actually from the UK, I know, was involved in, in quite a bit of that. Uh, so, no, I, did, I didn't get to do too much. I would love to have, but I didn't get involved in that level of it. Um, was what, what, what stunts? You know, what stunts uh, were you involved in in, in that film? Now, yeah, I mean, so like, would you saw like one of the cars being chased? <laughs> uh, actually, we we had some sequences with the new uh, Lamborghini Aventador that I was involved with. Uh, you know, because of the racing background, uh, I am kind of known for driving supercars and such uh, on film, uh, especially when they have something that they don't want to have wrecked. <laughs> uh, so, so, so you're the go-to guy for um, you know. And getting in the car, driving it, and bring, bringing it back in in pristine, perfect condition. Oftentimes, yes. <laughs> Damn, that, that's a lot of stress. <laughs> yes, it can be, especially when they bring one over and it's the only one. Mm, have you ever seen those uh, Bugatti? You know, is it Bugatti Veyrons? I've not driven one yet. I would love mm. to, though. Uh, I swear, I was, I was, I've just seen I seen that on Top Gear about five, six years ago. My nephew's like more in, you know, very, very much into his cars. Um, he's not a mechanic or anything because he's more into his uh, mixed martial arts and stuff like that. But he, you know, he watches Top Gear and he quite enjoys seeing all the all the fast cars and that. And we seen we we're watching it together and we seen that Bugatti Veyron, and um, you know, just both blown away by 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 what it was able to do. It's an amazing car. Yeah, to to be able to reach the speeds that it does, just it's incredible. And that mm-hmm. amount of horsepower, which I, yeah. it would be fun to drive. I think it's probably the nearest uh, real car that you've got to the Batmobile. <laughs> You're probably right. I mean, <laughs> the engineering and, and, and the different things that it does. And, and uh, you know, it's got a rear wing that comes up for assist with the braking. And it adjusts itself suspension-wise at speed. It's, it's, it's quite, a, quite a piece of machinery. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any stunt or, or you know, is, is there any stunt that you'd actually outright refuse to do? You know, as long as it's got a car involved, I'm pretty much game. I haven't, haven't been approached with anything yet that I haven't, we haven't been able to figure out and do. 
Mm. Wow. <laughs> Can you see yourself ever going up for a Bond movie as as a, oh, one of the drivers in those? Oh, I'd love to, yes. You know, because it's so like, can you look at the Bond movies over the years, so many so many world records are being broken on, on, on the on these Bond movies from the from the drive team and stunt people that have got on those films. Especially in the Casino Royale when they rode that they rode the uh, the Aston Martin. Um yeah, they the did most an incredible times. job at that. That came out really well. And you know, so like uh, that that song like one 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 car chase I watch over and over again. You know, cause it's um it's just so like incredible to watch. Now, it was really dynamic. Like I said, I think they they did an incredible job putting that together. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, I'd just like to say uh, th- thanks for your time. It's been great speaking to you. Um, and you know, yeah. before we go, is there any 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 other films you got coming coming out that you can talk about, or many? Um, you know, any films that you're working on now? Uh, well, I just finished up with uh, a film called Prisoners with Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. Uh, obviously, there's Fast Six that's coming out, uh, the soonest one coming out. Uh, and then we're getting ready to start uh, Captain America 2. Okay, so you can be on Captain America 2? Yes. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'll definitely be in the uh, cinema for that because I enjoyed the first one. Yeah, I enjoyed the first one. So I'm, yeah. I'm eager to, to work on this one. So, um, you know, so I'm like, um, all, the, all, all the movies that Marvel have been putting out have just been fantastic. Yes, I, I think they've, they've really allowed us to, you know, they've allowed the scripts to really put together some great action pieces as well as the, the storyline, and I think it comes together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I, I've seen Iron Man 3 uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I, was, I was a little bit iffy about what they did with the Mandarin. As far as the action sequences in that film, it was just sort of like... Um, well, the action in, in, in that film really sold it and, you know, the storyline was, uh, you know, fairly good as well, with the exception of my reservations about how, how they depicted the Mandarin. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm eager to get out and see it. It's just uh, mm-hmm. time-wise, they don't always get to the theatres as often as I'd like to. Yeah, me either. I mean, I've only um, I've only really had chance to uh, go, to, you know, maybe, maybe seen three movies this year. Well, you're too ahead of me. You know, um, one was Jack Reacher back in January, and um, I basically went to see Iron Man and I went to see Star Trek Into Darkness last week. So, gotcha. Um, How was Star Trek? Uh, well, I'm kind of an old school Trekkie. Yes. And you know, so like, um, it was okay, but for me, it only really worked as a, a science fiction action adventure movie. It didn't really feel like uh, it didn't feel like like a Star Trek as say the first one. Gotcha. Um, yeah. They they basically they basically uh, rebooted. Um, it, it basically felt like a reboot too far for me. Got but it. Okay. That's well, just maybe me. I'll wait for DVD then. That's that's just me because I'm a big Star Trek fan from way back. So. Right. Bit of a purist with it. Um, I'm not a purist because um, I actually quite enjoyed the first the first J.J. Abrams film. It's just that the second one um, it kind of it kind of used the character that I was hoping that they wouldn't use because you know I felt that they did it right the first time. And Got it. Yeah. I feel with the parallel, I feel with this new universe sort of stuff, they, they should be using this new universe to sort of maybe reboot you know villains and stuff that that maybe didn't work so well the first time and to try and improve upon them. But not take um, a thing and that was universally accepted as as be, be, you know being done right the first time. Right, you know right. I mean? uh, so like um, you use use a reboot to so like uh, correct some of the things that you know didn't go so great. Right. You know that that's what I would do. 
because for me that's where the potential is in a reboot out yeah. of anything um, but again it's really great speaking to you and uh, the best of luck with the films um, look forward to seeing Fast Sits it's out in the cinema pretty soon here just around the corner yeah I'm yeah. eager to see it uh, as well and um, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for Prisoners as well it sounds pretty intriguing yeah it sounds like a good really good film so yeah okay. have to take a look at that and uh Thank you so much, Ian. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Robert. It's been been great speaking to you. All right, take care. You too. Bye. It's science fiction that will blow your mind. This is SFP now. And that about wraps up uh, this week's episode of uh, SFP now. Um, next week's guest, uh, we have um, Kevin Kilner, the, um, the composer behind um, Star Wars Clone Wars and um, a lot of other things. He also does the uh, soundtrack for Hang on Wheels as well and um you know i had a really good chat with him last week uh prior to him uh attending the uh emmys um we do make reference to the emmys in there um you know so it's uh, you know the the interview kind of like maybe dates itself a little bit with that but it's um it's, it's a fun interview and um you know we 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 we, we discuss quite a lot um about about music and um the way, the way he approaches, um, you know, the, these different sort of like uh, soundtracks he's done. So uh, keep an eye out for that on the next show, which is next Friday. And uh, just a quick reminder to anyone in the uh, in, in the sale, Old Tringham or Trafford or even the, uh, you know, South Manchester area, I'll be on Old Tringham Market tomorrow um, selling lots of stuff. So, um, you know, if, if you feel the need to, just come over and say hi. Um, but that's it. That's it for now. That's a wrap. So see, see you next week. the world order.